0: There's something just magical about Christmas time. I remember as a child thinking it was just the most magical time of year. And one of the things that we love to do as a family would be going to look at Christmas lights and to see all the lights at Christmas time. We would load in the car and go see them. I grew up in Northeast Ohio, and just a couple hours away from us was a place called Ogle Bay. It's in actually West Virginia. It was a couple hour drive, but it it had a christmas light display that you would drive through, and it would take a couple hours, and it was magnificent. And so one Christmas time, we loaded up a conversion van that my family had at the time, and in the front were my parents, my sister was with us, myself, and then my mom's cousin, and their child as well. So in the front two seats were my parents, and then next in the Other two seats were Uncle Jim and Aunt Debbie, and then on the back bench of the conversion van were my sister and my cousin Beth and myself, and because I was the youngest, I got sandwiched between the two of them and just had no space whatsoever and couldn't really move, and when you're young, a couple-hour drive feels like an eternity, especially when you're sandwiched between people and can't move. Made it there, saw all the incredible Christmas lights. They were just fantastic. But then I had a couple hour ride back home and was stuck, not able to move and wasn't excited at all about that prospect. I grew up in a different time. I used to ride in the back of of cars. I, I think they're outlawed now. They're called station wagons. Some of you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you have lived it too. We would sit on these. I don't even think they were seats. We would just sit on these things in the very back of the vehicle, facing out the rear view window, no seat belt at all, and just, they just figured if something happened, they could someone else would come along. I like I don't know what they were thinking, but now I mean nowadays you're in a booster seat until you're 16 years old. But this was a it was a different time then. And so I was I was just sick of sitting in a, on the seat that I had no room on, so I just laid down in the aisle of the conversion van. And at some point in time in the ride, I fell asleep. And apparently There was a trash can in the conversion van that had fallen over, and as the journey was going on in the ride, my body began to slip down the aisle in the conversion van until my head found a resting place inside the trash can, (laughs) and there I slept soundly, unbothered. About an hour into the journey, my mom said, where did Brian go? And no no one could find me. And they they started panicking. Like, he didn't get out at one of the exemptions. Like, where's where's Brian? And so they turn all the lights on in the conversion van, and they see my jacket, but they still can't see me. And so they turn me over, and they discover that I was sound asleep with my head in a trash can, (laughs) all because there was no room for me. There was no room for me on that back bench. Have you ever been there in life? where you feel like there's no room, maybe you're riding in close quarters. Maybe you're flying and you're stuck with the middle seat, and you can't believe it, but you're stuck there in the middle seat, and everybody else is taking up the armrest and you just you can't move and you just feel sardined like there's nowhere for you to go or, or maybe you're like me and, and when you sleep you don't want anyone to touch you and oh, so often God just brings us together and we marry somebody who's a cuddler and wants to cuddle all night long and can't fall asleep unless their foot's touching you and you're like get on your side of the bed I want my room give me some room room so sometimes in life if we don't have room it's a funny story it's not that big a deal but sometimes in life if there's no room for us it hurts a little bit when we find out that all of our friends and all of our peers had the party and we didn't get invited we start to wonder well where was my invitation how come i wasn't invited that night I remember when I was in middle school, the the Cleveland Indians, they were the Indians at the time, and they opened up a brand new stadium, and they were a really good team at the time, and tickets were impossible to come by, but my parents and a couple other people secured some seats, and so we were going up to experience the new stadium that just opened the stadium up, and we were going up to experience the new stadium, there was a place that you could park, and you could walk underground, and they had... They had some different restaurants that you could stop at and visit, and there was a place I don't even know if they're still in business now or not. There was a place called Fuddruckers, and they had burgers at the time that were the size of my head, and they were just just delicious. And you would go up to the counter and you would order the burger. And so we went up and we all ordered at the counter. And I remember there started to be a parents table, and then there was a kids table, and. I certainly wasn't going to sit at the parents' table. So I was the last person to get my food, and I went over to the kids' table, and I noticed there were no seats left. And I went and sat at a table all by myself. And maybe you've been there in life, where it seems like you're the only one that isn't included. seems like there's room for everyone else except for you. And if you find yourself there, if you find yourself tonight wondering where do you fit in, if you find yourself wondering who who are my people, who can I count on, where do I fit in, do I matter, if you find yourself at a place where you feel disconnected and you feel like there's no room for you. I hope to encourage you tonight with the story of our Savior's arrival. And we see in many regards that the creator of this world, who then came to save his creation, who rebelled against him, found there was no room for him, even his arrival. So tonight we're going to look at the beginning part of Luke chapter 2. Luke is a gospel writer, and what that is is the story of the life of Jesus. And in the first couple verses of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we read these words. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered each to his own town. Caesar Augustus said there needs to be a registration. We need to keep track of everyone who's part of the population. Now, filling out a census today is as easy as mailing in a form, having somebody come to your house and giving them the answers to the questions, going online, filling out the information that way. But it was a much, much more detailed process, much more difficult process in the time when Jesus was born. There was no internet. There was no postal system. And so a way to get an accurate count meant that everyone had to go back to their home town as we'll see in just a minute and what's not lost on me and i hope what's not lost on you is here at the beginning of the setting here setting the scene for us at the birth of jesus is an event that is meant to count and include everyone and it's the beginning of where we see that our savior was not included an event designed to include everyone is the start to the exclusion of our Savior. Luke continues in chapter 2, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Joseph had called and settled in, in Nazareth. He called Nazareth home. That's where he went to develop his life and establish himself. And it's about 100 miles away from Bethlehem. Now today, if we need to travel 100 miles, it's no big deal. You get in the car, you're there in about an hour and a half to two hours based on how fast you drive or how fast the people you're stuck behind drive. And and it's really no big deal. There were no conveniences of cars this time. This journey was done on foot and with animals. And so, where we travel 100 miles and don't think twice about it, at this time, 20 to 25 miles a day it was all you could travel. And it was a grueling process to begin with. Never mind the fact of Mary being in the late stages of pregnancy. Oh, and by the way, as if the journey wasn't grueling enough here is mary in the late stages of pregnancy but she's not married to joseph they're engaged and at the time this would be something that would ostracize her and ostracize them now god supernaturally brought an angel to tell joseph and to tell mary his plan to tell joseph and to tell mary exactly what was going on but Good luck explaining that one to your co-workers and to your mom and dad. Yeah, an angel of the Lord appeared to me and told me all of this. Mary in misery in the late stages of pregnancy, the discomfort, and now having to travel a hundred miles on top of it. Being ridiculed as the rumors spread and word leaked out. As people saw her growing belly, assumed it was Joseph's, or when they found out it wasn't Joseph's, began to talk all the more. And here in the midst of that lack of understanding, here in the midst of that being dismissed by their peers, that God would choose to show up. And to work in the lives of two individuals, two young people who were in love and who were engaged to be married. Who had promised that they would spend the rest of their lives together but weren't even married at this point. And here God shows up to pull off the miraculous amongst two people who would be rumored about and ostracized by their society. And here God chooses to pull off the Incarnation. The fullness of divinity and humanity on display in the God-man Jesus. And that God of, of all people would choose Mary and Joseph to guide him as their parents. And God supernaturally would have Jesus be born to the Virgin Mary. And While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There was no place for them. In the inn, and here again, we see that the creator of it all and the savior of this world would be born in a barn because there was no place for them in the inn. Hotel reservations today aren't hard to get. You put in the date, you go online, you can go directly with the hotel. Or if you're looking to score a deal, you go to a third-party website and you see all the different options that are available to you. You don't even have to put a credit card in to hold some of the rooms. It's not hard to get reservations today. That didn't exist i remember traveling back when i was young and, and we were in a different conversion van and this time we were on our way to myrtle beach south carolina and on our journey down my parents had called and made reservations at a hotel the only problem was they went past the hotel that they made their reservations at by about an hour because they thought they called a different hotel and made reservations at that hotel And so we were an hour past where they actually had made the reservation, and where we landed said, I'm sorry, we don't have any vacancy. And we just decided, hey, we'll just try the next exit and see what's in store there. And three hours later, I can tell you how uncomfortable it is to this day to sleep in a conversion van because I remember, and I wasn't in the late stages of pregnancy. (laughs) And that conversion van had air conditioning. Mary and Joseph found themselves at a place that has no room for them. And this is one of the things that we we could pause and we could say, really, God? You're the creator of everything. If you wanted to, you could have created the nicest hotel in the history of this world. You could have reserved a room For Mary and Joseph, you could have had the best team of doctors and surgeons and nurses on call to rush in there and oversee this pregnancy. You could have made sure that every detail was perfect. You could have put them up in the presidential suite, luxury like we couldn't even fathom. You could have done all that, and you're right, God could have. Chooses not to. No, the creator of the world chooses to humble himself and come to our world to rescue us in the midst of our rebellion against him and comes in a way that he understands. To not be welcomed in, to not fit have no room and some people look at our society today and they shake their head and they say what is going on in this world in this post-christian society that we live in what what is going on when there is no room for God in our culture and in our society and I just would encourage you if you find yourself there and you feel hopeless and you feel helpless I just want to encourage you with the fact that this is nothing new to God When he showed up the first time, there was no room for him. And this is one of the fascinating things about our creator. That he doesn't force himself into the story of our lives. He doesn't force himself into our world. but Instead, he offers himself. And He gives us all the choice and the chance to respond to Him. But He doesn't force us to choose Him. We fast forward to the final book of the Bible, Revelation. Revelation 3, verse 20 tells us this, Behold, I, Jesus, stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus doesn't force himself upon us. But make no mistake, at the door of your heart and at the door of your life, every single one of us, there is a knock. And the question that you have to answer, and only you can answer it, Your spouse cannot answer it for you. Your parents cannot answer it for you. Your kids can't answer it for you. The question that you must answer is do you have room? Do you have room in your heart and do you have room in your life to let in the Creator? The creator who came, who humbled himself and came to our world to intervene in our story because every single one of us has rebelled against him. Every single one of us has made the choice at some point in our life, God has a way this way, but I want to go this way. We've all chased after that. We've all run after it. Whether you've even realized it in the moment or not. And the fascinating thing, is that even though we've rebelled against our creator he still loves us. And he loves us so much that he gives us the chance to choose. And today he stands at the door of your heart and at the door of your life. And he knocks if you will open the door and invite him in, he will save you, and he will redeem you. And he will set you free. He will give your life purpose, but he doesn't kick the door in, and he doesn't force himself upon any of Make no mistake, he knocks on every single person's door. But it's up to you. And you alone. Whether you will open up the door. And the question that you must answer is, is there room? Is there room in your heart? And is there room in your life for you to invite the Savior of this world in to save you and set you free? That a God that we rebelled against loved us enough to humble himself and to come to our world to live a perfect life, to die on the cross and three days later rise again, proving that he was victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And that we have hope loves you enough to give you the choice of whether or not you will follow after him. No one can make that choice for you. And in a minute, I'm going to whisper a prayer. And if you've never before made the decision to invite God into your heart and into your life, I would invite you to stop running And to invite God in and follow after Him. And there's nothing special about the exact words that I'm going to say. But opening up your heart and opening up your life to who Jesus is and all that He's called and made you to be and to follow after Him and the sacrifice that He came to this world to deliver to us when He died on the cross to set us free as the sacrifice for our sin. There's no better way to celebrate the arrival of our Savior than inviting him into your heart and your life. He's knocking. The question that you have to answer is, is there room? And will you invite him in? Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us and setting us free. Thank you for redeeming us in spite of our rebellion. God, I pray right now for the person here. I pray for the person that's streaming, that's never before made the decision to follow after you. And God, I pray that right now be the moment that they open up the door to their heart and the door to their life and invite you in. God, in the quietness of this moment, in the quietness of their heart, They just repeat this prayer to you. Jesus, I recognize that I've fallen short. that I've made mistakes and I've sinned. And I'm inviting you into my heart. I'm inviting you into my life. To save me. I realize you're God. Recognize you died on the cross for me and you rose again three days later. God, I want to live my life for you. Come and save me. I pray for those that have already made that decision, God. That we would live each and every day with excitement and enthusiasm. That we would see each opportunity that you've given us. And we would praise and honor you each and every one of our days. God, that we would not be shy about the hope that we have in you. And I pray, God, that we would remember that when we feel like we don't fit in, when we worry about where we belong, that we don't serve some distant deity. But a God who understands what it's like to feel isolated and alone. God, that we remember your love for us. Shown on full display, you came to this world to save us and set us free. It is with thankful hearts that we thank you, Jesus, for the hope that you offer to us in our salvation. and It's in your name, our Savior's name, we do pray. Amen.